And now I'm going to do what I was going to do earlier. I should be back. Urinate. Okay. Thanks for asking that you could urinate in our toilet. Can I urinate in Yeah, you may. By all means. By all means, be let this out. No. Put it as intro. Start us off, Danny. You don't have to look at the mic to speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's getting into character. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the first proper version of the words of Kram. I'm Dan. Oh, you wanted it us to say to you? Yeah. I'm Nick. I'm Stuart. I'm Phil. <laughs> and, uh,. For anyone who listened to the awful ropey pilot episode of this we did a couple of months ago, we're going to try and be much better this time. So welcome along. Try and be in the operative word. Yeah. Try and. Stu is is drinking, so... Ginger beer. Ginger beer. The drink of of champions. It's a good drink. I I don't dispute that, I like a ginger beer. How high does it rank on your pop barometer? I prefer a shandy. (laughs) (laughs) right Dan when when when, like in the future after you've been a celebrity and you've died yes do you do you think this is good I like yeah do you you think that there's going to be loads of people coming out of the woodwork making allegations against you like they are with Jimmy Savile I, th- I think there are enough people in my life who I've annoyed enough already that they would want to make such allegations whilst I'm alive, to be fair. So, Is there a cupboard in your house that we shouldn't ever look in? Uh, well, hopefully not to my knowledge. Are you going to live in a caravan at any point? Certainly not. <laughs> Certainly not. So the answer is answer yes or no? No. Uh, so, uh, if anyone does have any allegations to make about me, oh. uh, they would. I think... I think they'd have the, at least the grace to do it whilst I'm alive. Okay, then, Dan. You get... Say, say I'm, like, an omnipotent, like, god. Yes. And Which you'd love, yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. Because I'd love to meddle with people's lives. Uh, and I, I come to you. And I... I somehow prove that I'm this god. Um, and I ask you... Right. You can live the rest of your life with a nine-to-five job, and you can never... You can never really succeed in anything you can never be successful you'll never have any form of recognition beyond your circle of friends and your family but after you die you'll be remembered forever as just a nice guy who did his best worked hard and you know strove for his family <coughs> or you can have the, fa- the, the fame the success <coughs> the glory but after you die you're remembered as Jimmy Savile or Michael Jackson or some evil cunt to uh so when you say some shit. sort of omnipotent god, you mean Satan? No. I will give you I, I the reckon, world, but your soul will be mine. If I, I reckon if God was a real thing, just to mix it up and keep it interesting, he'd do shit like that. He'd, he'd offer the choice. Because no. it could be a double blind. You could, you could go, well, I want the, gl- for, the, the glory because I won't care about fucking what happens when I'm dead. Well, because you're a dick, Dan, I'm just going to give you AIDS. 
Deal with that. Wow. You ain't gonna get none of it. You're gonna get AIDS. Sim Solomon. But anyway, <laughs> what, what would you do? What would you have done? Would you have the glory and then the uh, I would the hatred? So he'd be a dishonest god. I'm, I'm just I'm a god. A I'm cruel, a, petty, you, vengeful god. <laughs> I'm just. Didn't you say you were a god? I'm an omnipotent super being who has the power to grant such things. All right. I would take the life of the, the common genome. man. Of the what? Of the common man. I would. Uh, I would do the nine to five and and uh, retire to my lovely house and wife and car and. Uh, the common man pays his way in life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you couldn't be the common man. I couldn't. No. You know that's fine. It's no. not what I desire. <laughs> you just uh, said you did. Well, well, I'd, I would sooner be the common man who pays away in life than be the man who's known for being a sexual abuser like Jimmy Savile. Uh, so yes, I would take the common approach. It reminds me of a situation that I came up with. If uh, God visited you, if God did indeed exist, and he visited you, and he said, uh, I am giving you a shotgun, uh, please thin out the human population. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <Do> work. <laughs> you you eventually get arrested, and of course you tell the police your your perfect alibi. Well, God told me to do it, and then of course you end up being locked up for life. Right, that's all. Yeah. So, so there, there you go. You're at the point. The point I make there is God's involvement. It's like you know. I'd have to think. Why, why would you just blindly do, do what he says? I'd, well, there's, again, let's look at the situation. He gives you a shot when you test in out the human population. You know, there's some people that you'd take How'd out. How do you know it's God? Who would you take out? How do you know it's God? Personally. Uh, well, he, I guess he'd have to prove it. could be it. a demon. By the way, his ID. Like gas man. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lanyard. <laughs> With <just> God. <laughs> I have to wonder if the phrase, and here's a shotgun thrown out the human population in the very local vicinity. <laughs> With the shotgun. With a shotgun. And then giving you a shotgun. <laughs> okay, 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 let's. Uh... Here's this on super massive. Do, does he have mass like. Hall of Destruction. A dinted blue transit van. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that as well. <laughs> if you fired a shotgun, your wrists would break. You'd <laughs> kill one person and then break your wrists. Why? Because there's a huge amount of kick on more shotguns. Okay, well, okay. Well, you know, let's revamp. You can't high five someone. <laughs> well, that's debatable. That's debatable. Uh, okay, let's revamp the situation. Okay, so God, uh, God proves Himself. Okay, you know whether he's, you know, whether it's by a lanyard or any ethereal glow, an uh, act of some kind. Yeah, so you know, maybe he can separate my soup. You know, but. Uh, he uh, God God proved himself, and he says, "Dan, you're a hateful being. You know, uh, take out some people you don't wish to exist. You know, I'd be tempted. You'd be tempted, absolutely. Who would you know, start with? Uh, would it be someone you knew, or would it be a complete stranger? Well, I'd go, I'd go after evil people who deserve to die, of course. And then once I'm done with them, if I had ammo to spare, I guess I'd just go after would, some people who've wronged me in life. Where'd you find them? <laughs> Uh, well, that's where I have to get a bit Dexter Morgan there and do some research. and well, just break into a prison and stick your shotgun through bars, one by one. Dexter Morgan doesn't break into prisons. <laughs> but how do you find out if someone's evil, then? Uh, if you don't go to a place where there's lots of evil people? Ah, touche, touche. Do, do you know your neighbours? Yes. Do you know them well? Uh, I, well... Until she moved out, the uh, the girl who lived there, I've known my entire life. I went to school and college with her. So what about yes. the new neighbour then? Say again? The new neighbour who obviously hasn't, who's moved in. I 
don't have. You just said someone moved out. The girl permanently. Permanently. <laughs> so who's there now? The girl's parents. Right. Okay. So about the parents, do you know? Do you know them? Uh, I know them well enough to smile and nod when I see them. Do you know? Do you could you to not shotgun them? Do you know that? Do you know them well enough to know that they might not have? They might have done some heinous, evil shit in their time. I know that the man is a very, very loud man, and uh, noise annoys me. So he, he would must die. So he wouldn't be off my to do. That sounds like a, a seven level of reasoning. <laughs> He's a loud man. I don't like loud people. I vomited on his lap. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and there you have it. Uh, yeah, well, so the be- there's very little. There's a, quite a tenuous difference between someone you would kill and someone you wouldn't kill in terms of what they'd have to do. Uh, if loudness is a factor, you should probably keep your nose down on this one, Stu. Have we? Look, we it's we're, just evidence. This, but. <laughs> We've all been in that situation where, you know, we're in a... It could be a coffee shop or a restaurant or just a work canteen, you know, and you're you're talking to your friends, you know, and then only a few tables away you hear this ridiculous... <laughs> and, I'm sorry, no, and I'm sorry, there's no place for that. There's no place for that in society. Where the fuck were you eating dinner in Chester fucking Zoo? <laughs> So there's no place for laughter in society and you (laughs) come to cleanse it with your shotgun that... Let's just say say it's a good thing I've not pursued a career in politics. Would you, Dan, say say this God, and it's proven that he's God, and he asks you, you can kill one evil person, but after that you'll get caught and you'll go to prison and you'll suffer the consequences. But... After that, before sorry, before you get caught, if you kill an innocent person, you'll get some time. You'll get a day before you're caught. So you could kill another evil person. Would you therefore kill a few innocent people to rack up a bit of time? Certainly no. Not. no. 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 So you wouldn't necessarily Rocking use a combo up. I can reverse the situation, okay? Would you would you have respect for a decent human being who in a moment of, let's call it madness, even though it's probably predetermined, but uh, would you have respect for a man who, in a moment of, open brackets, uh, madness, uh, killed an evil person? You know, an evil, horrible... Would I have respect person. for that person? Yes. In a, mo- in a moment of madness? Yes. Or, or they, it could be justified as madness. It's probably been a predetermined thing that he was wanting to do for some time. I, yeah. yeah. So what does that prove? I just think, uh, regardless of going to prison, I think if you do, I, th- I think if you kill the evil person, going to prison or not, you're essentially doing a good deed. I'd rather okay, then, but, don't make a right, but then, Dan, yeah. how, how about then, if you therefore killed another person, you could kill more evil people, you had more time to kill more evil people. Would you not do that? Would you not want to do that? Repeat. Say, you, you kill an evil person, you've therefore got 24 hours before you're caught. For every... Good person you kill, you buy yourself another twenty-four hours. Could you justify saying, right? If I if I bought myself five days, I could kill maybe five hundred evil people in that. Okay. Would those five good lives be worth? Find these five hundred people. You could find. I, pro- I imagine what if something. Wait. You find these in it like innocent people who've done no wrong. And you become an abortion doctor. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. 
So you're, you're taking a life in some people's eyes. Pure innocence. Pure innocence, Pure innocence as well, innocence. an innocent life. That's you're doing the world a favour <laughs> by killing yeah. the, old, the, the old people, <laughs> the evil people. You're taking a life, but you're also making other people's eyes better because they're going to the abortion clinic of their own free will. The gist of it, Dan, is would you kill five innocent people to therefore remove 500 evil people from the planet? Five innocents for 500 evil people. Well, it could be less, it could be more evil people. It's however many you think you can kill in five days. <laughs> Without any form of being... You have five days, so you can't be caught for five days, no matter what. Uh, I'd be tempted. You'd be tempted? Maybe. So what would be the cut-off point? Ten people? Ten evil people? I don't know. It, it depend- I don't know. It, you know, your, me- your mental outlook changes once you've got the thirst for blood. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I may not feel so strongly, I don't know. See, Fable 2, uh, which I publicly say to anyone, is one of my favourite video games of all time. At the end of Fable 2... Which is a sequel. Which is a sequel, which brings us nicely onto the subject of today's podcast. The end of Fable 2, there is a very, uh, there's a very, I don't want to call it, for lack, of, for lack of better words, there is a good morality question at the end of the thing. You get to make three choices, one of them is very selfish, one of them is super selfish, and one of them is outright good. And I went for your bog standard selfish. Is there an evil option? Or uh, is yeah. it just purely selfish? Uh, well, it depends on your definition of evil, okay? So, uh, this is where the part where I might as well warn any listeners that there's probably going to be spoilers in this podcast, so... If <laughs> no, you've not played Fable 2 now. There you go. <laughs> probably not likely to. Amazing game, I recommend it to anyone. Uh, anyway, Fable 2, okay? So you're, you are uh, given a moral dilemma at the end of the game, okay? So, um, throughout the game, thousands of people have been killed. Innocent people building this powerful spire out in the middle of the ocean for this evil lord and uh, and at the end of the game you defeat said evil lord and you know and you uh, you are able to you are granted one wish from this spire and you can be super selfish and just wish for loads of money you won't bring back any people whatsoever everyone you know are loved and all the innocent people you'll change nothing yeah we'll change nothing but you'll be super rich uh, or you can be quite selfish and bring back your family and your dog that were murdered. Uh, or you can be really, you know, uh, pious and bring back all the innocent people, but not your family and your dog. And I chose my family and my dog. You know, is that so wrong? Yes. What would you pick? I don't know. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's not a bad choice because the dog is one of the few good things with that game. See, the dog mm. the dog makes a game. Now, I love the first Fable. I love the first Fable. Uh, it didn't deliver everything Peter Molyneux promised, because, of course, Peter Molyneux is renowned for promising more than he can deliver. But it was good. And Fable 2 comes out four years later. And, you know, I was not looking forward to it. It was set a whole 500 years further on from the first one. Uh, guns had been introduced, whereas the first one was set in, like, a Dark Age, Middle Age period. And, uh, you know, I wasn't looking forward to it, but it turned out to be a better game. The dog, in particular, really made it. And by the end of that game, I bonded with that dog. And imagine my tremendous disappointment with Fable 3, then, which was poor. Very poor. Bad baddie, bad story, bad. 
So would you say Fable 2 is your favourite sequel of all time? Game sequel? Of all um, time? As someone who's probably... I, I would definitely define myself as a casual gamer, and I definitely therefore have not owned as many games as some people might have. So myself personally, yes. I would say yes. yes. What about you, Stu? What would you say your favourite game sequel of all time would be? We're very thinking about it. Well, we've had about weeks to think about it. I know, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot on, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, Civ 2 was fantastic. <laughs> Civ 4 was really good, I didn't like it at first, but that was fantastic. What do you think of Civ 5? It's not as good. Not as good a leap. Too many like backwards. the console one. No, no, no. Now, can you forget defi- that? That was a, an abortion of a game. <laughs> no, no, I disagree. I like Civilization. Have you, have you no, played Civilizations, though? The original. No, I, I know it's very different <laughs> to the actual Civilizations. Very different. And therefore, I think it would be unfair to, uh, to categorise it as a sequel. It's like this brand new fable, The Journey. Uh, it is, you know, it's not part of the main storyline, therefore, it's just a spin off rather than a sequel. And that's what Civilization Revolution was, it's just a spin off. Civ. Uh, Civ 1 was the first one I played but I was quite young because it was on the Amiga Civ 2 was the first one I played properly as not being a a kid I was a kid but a bit more intelligent and able to play it and it was fantastic so you're like aware of like the, yeah, the, to the do history and, and, yeah. and you know what kind of periods plus the nukes were better <laughs> Civ 2 was ace what about you Phil? It's a very, very good one. Probably not the best ever, but Fallout 3. For many reasons. One, it re- it, it brought a very old game into modern consciousness again. Did it completely differently and brilliantly. It was a forerunner of Skyrim, which is awesome. Plus it did a lot of DLC completely differently. Very well. Um that was also completely different from Fallout 3. Did like, you not prefer Fallout New Vegas? No. Why not? I don't know. It felt more like an add-on rather than a separate game. I thought it was an add-on. No, New it was Vegas, no, it was a separate game. It it didn't change enough. I think that's a mark of a decent but sequel. Something that's not necessarily completely different. Was it called Fallout 3 New Vegas? Or just Fallout New Vegas? Fallout New Vegas. Fair enough. I always thought it was just some... Add on to Fallout 3. See, that's why I will never play. I say I'll never play. I probably would play it out of curiosity. I will never be satisfied with Dead Rising 2 off the record. Um, Dead Rising 2 is a good sequel. There's no way near as good as the first Dead Rising, but it's a good sequel. Um, but then, you know, to appease the fanboys, they make the spin off title where they bring back the <coughs> beloved first main character from the first game. What's and, uh, Frank West. You uh, got something wrong with your head. <laughs> It's his X-Man power. I know. He remembers names and faces. Just free it. You know, you could probably... That's it. Yeah. It's just, How it's to it. drive where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's, a little, it's a little trick, am I? Uh, yes, Frank West. A fantastic first character, main character in the first game. One of the best protagonists I've ever played in the game. Uh, he doesn't appear for the sequel, which I liked, to be honest, because... It's unrealistic. That same set of events are going to be for the same person again and again. So I like how they took it to a new direction, new location, new characters. You know, a little subtle mentions in the first one. I, that, I like that. That's good. But, you know, to appease the fanboys, to appease the fanboys, rather, they make this spin-off title, bring back that beloved main character from the first one, and and the payoff isn't as good. It's a, it's a diluted story from the second one. 
uh, and you know the character's story is uh, you know is one that you don't sympathise. It's just you know that's bad. That's bad writing. I was going to say you mock his ability. What's the capital of Iceland? Um, Reykjavik. I was. I see. I could say that though. Yeah, but you give Stuart like any any country, he'll probably know the capital. To no, me, that's no. amazing. Guam. That's amazing. Hey, <laughs> Guam. Um, doesn't Guam belong to another country? You tell us. I don't, Guam's an island. <laughs> I don't think it's a country. Probably belongs to like Taiwan or something. Like Nepal. I don't know. Oh. Oh. Do you know? No. <laughs> so you could have said anything. You could have said Manchester. I'd be like, really? <laughs> name three. Stri- name three states in Australia. I, New I think, South Wales. I think I could. That, that's the well. Every, that's Queensland. The, it's not, is it Queensland? Yeah. yeah. And oh, the capital of Nepal is quite easy. The Kathmandu. Yeah. I thought I knew it. <laughs> See, I wouldn't know that. That's, that's like some form of autism. Um, There's a really good restaurant in Manchester called The Great Kathmandu that does Nepalese food. <laughs> so I should have got that, really. It's Simple logical steps. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a third Australian state. Queensland. Well, you you think about that. Nick, you tell us one of your... your probably not one of your, actually. Your the ultimate favourite sequel of yours, video games. Uh, see, there's, there's some that are, like, super important. Like, I think the Modern Warfare is probably, like, a super important step in terms of, like, game of, of sequels and stuff. First one. Cod 4 and Modern Warfare. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Now, we look at the Modern Warfare series as a trilogy. Uh, the sequels are good, yes, but COD 4, the first Modern Warfare, is the best one, in my opinion. It, it, compared yes. to like the original, it, it just took everything in such a, an amazing direction. But I wouldn't say that's even on my top ten of favourite sequels. Because you could almost argue that Modern Warfare is in itself its own little trilogy of games. I wouldn't really say. But I'd probably say my favourite sequel and it's quite cheeky because it was the first of the games that I'd played and it was a sequel but it was its own entity it would have been Final Fantasy 7 it's definitely it's a sequel but it's the first it's the first next generation console roleplay game so I mean I I, I'd never, I didn't have a SNES so I'd never played Final Fantasy 6 on the SNES um, I've never seen anything like it you know, you start off in this this huge city with these characters, and obviously there's going to be spoilers. Uh, you sort of do, you start off as this like terrorist cell, and you develop a relationship with these characters, and then as you escape in this city, half your squad die, and it's quite dramatic. And it was a game purely about developing relationships with people and characters and story and it was such a story with so many layers and so much depth and so much it wasn't like you're in a you're in a mansion and the zombies are going to escape like Resident Evil was and Resident Evil was a fucking amazing game Resident Evil 2 probably my top 5 all time games but the story wasn't particularly dramatic I don't think anyone plays a Resident Evil game for a great story it, it was just a, 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 a visceral experience, Resident Evil. But Final Fantasy VII, if anyone's played it, Eris dying, so fucking dramatic. Have you played it? 
No, but it... have you played any of the games we've mentioned? Uh, what, what's been mentioned? Civ, Civ, Fire, Fallout Three. <laughs> no, 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 I've not played any of these. No, I, uh, Jesus. I, I do tell a lie. Uh, back in the days of owning a PS1, I was lent Final Fantasy VII and I did play it, uh, and I just couldn't get into it. it. It is a game where, you know, you do have to. What console did you have it on? Devote. It was PSX, the original PlayStation. Back when that was still the current console? Yes. I'm amazed you couldn't get into that. Yeah, because. It didn't look shit. At it didn't. It looked amazing uh, it, at the time. Oh, it's nothing to that now. Graphic graphic ability means nothing to me as long as there is a fantastic story. And, no, and, and I'm not disputing Final Fantasy's story. However, uh, at the time it just wasn't my thing. Maybe I was playing other games and couldn't be bothered to play it. Maybe I just didn't gel with the whole no speech or anything. You know. Well, just... there's no games. There's very few games that actually had speech in them at the time. Well, that's why now there were just, just speech bubbles. You know, I, what? Could, I couldn't stand why you wouldn't want to play it because. It is. I remember a lot of my friends at the time. Like whenever you'd get into a fight or something would happen, you'd, you'd, ha- you'd be running around as cloud, and then three people would come out of you, your little squad, and you'd be like, "What? Where did they come from?" So I, you know, there's there's reasons why people couldn't get into that. But Back then, it was an investment as well. It was a very long game. Yeah, it, it was, was a very four, long game. Well, four discs, wasn't three it? discs. Well, let's go back to the point you were making. You were you had to make an empowered speech about a character called Eris dying, and Stu interrupted you. So uh, yeah, apologize. yeah. So I, I I can't think of a game prior to that where the story was paramount to anything, to to everything, especially on a console. There was on PC game. There's like the original Fallout was Baldur's Gate. They had sprawling stories that they were epically long. They had you know twists and turns. On the console, I can't think of a game where you'd spent probably about 20-25 hours with this character who is like a love interest for the, the main character, who pretty much epitomises good and hope and, and you know, your main character is playable. As and well. they're playable, you know, and you spend time levelling them up and, and you know, gaining abilities and, and, and stuff, and then they kill her off. And it's not it's not something that you can change by doing something different in the game. It, it had to happen. It had to happen. And it's not like in a lot of games now where they kill off a character and you're like, Oh oh no. Even in T V, like you're a bit you're a bit gutted for a moment and the characters in the game are a bit gutted. In the in that game, the main character goes crazy. He he's so guilt ridden and so messed up in his head that he, he goes crazy and you can't play him for ages. And it was such just a long game that has such a, a wicked story. There's loads of little caveats that you can go and explore or not if you don't want to. And it was just, it was an experience. It was an amazing experience that I think anyone who played it at the time and anyone who got it at the time wouldn't have a bad thing to say about their experience then. If you played it now, you could probably poke holes in it to death. But I recently watched the Iris dying scene. I've, I've got it on my PC upstairs. I, I can... I can live with the poor graphics because you can. I don't know. It's like old films. An old film can still be effective even if it looks a bit budget. I watched Terminator the other day on Blu-ray, and it looks it looks old, but it's still no less a fantastic film. You still feel no less drama, no less tension, and just because the game has a bit shit graphics, I can I can look past that. I can look past that and, and enjoy it. 
enjoy picking one favourite sequel is too hard yeah it's hard it's just because it's what I've been playing for 20 over over 20 years all different genres like International Superstar Soccer Pro 98 fantastic game (laughs) needless to say with a title like that it's a sequel (laughs) Uh, essentially yes but not one that's very story driven I beg to differ. A game that was the game from um, World Cup '98, around that time. World Cup '98. I'll go back. France. Michael Owen against Argentina. David Beckham's petulant flick. Yeah, talking to someone who doesn't care for football. Um, you know what? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I don't want you to say. Well, you know, you go back. To, we go back to the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, uh, and you mentioned that not a lot of games at the time encompassed speech, uh, but that would bring me on to. Definitely, certainly, in my top five, one of the best, not just games, but sequels ever played, Tomb Raider 2. I mean, the, the Tomb Raider games, Tomb Raider the, 2 the, the, awesome. first, the first two Tomb Raider games, jaw-dropping. At the time, they were unlike anything that had ever been played. And Tomb Raider 2 is worthy of the title of Amazing Sequel, because in my opinion, it just did everything the first one did better. And that's a great, great game. Well, we're talking about PlayStation 1 sequels. Why played Twenty Nights Seven. Wipeout was ace. Wipeout 2097 was just immensely better than Wipeout in everywhere. The soundtrack that you was you knew it because it had like Firestarter on it. The mm. to look at it now, obviously the graphics will be terrible, but it was like a, it seemed like a massive jump back then. One one sequel that technically you'd never think was a sequel, but is a sequel on the PS One. Metal Gear Solid. That's true. That's absolutely true. Sequel. And it's like the third in the series. That's right. And that was a great game. That was an amazing game. And then you look amazing. at Metal Gear Solid 4 and wonder what went wrong. Well, a lot of people disagree there. A lot of people I, say... I, can not, I cannot be bothered to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be asked to, but it's right there. I've played it for about an hour and a half. And the is that even getting far into... The, oh Sorry, dear. Okay. Sorry. Is that even getting far into the story? No. No. The major interruption, 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 interruption. The major thing with Metal Gear Solid 4 for me was the installation of everything. So you're doing chapter one, install it. Ten minutes later, oh you can play it now. After you've watched this 20 minute cutscene, <laughs> oh okay, belting. Run to the end of the street, another five minute cutscene. <laughs> Do a boss, right? You're ready for chapter two now. Installing it 20 minutes later. Oh, for the love of God, just let me play the See, game. Now, that's poor. Now, I don't know, but for all I know, Metal Gear Solid 4 could have one of the best storylines in a game ever, but it's bad innovation. People don't want to play a game where they're literally stopping every 30 seconds for a five-minute cutscene. It's not the best story ever. It's ludicrous. The, the names in it, is it the Leela Lula letter? Mm-hmm. That's that was in group. the first one. <laughs> that was in the first one, though. It was in... Metal Gear 1. I'm sure they they were they were mentioned. Leela Lula. I don't think that name was. Yeah, but I think it's very Japanese. I think it's very Japanese. Yeah. Which goes to the, to the whole Final Fantasy thing with no speech, all text. So it's a JRPG. That's what they do. Yeah, but you could argue the exact same things happened with Resident Evil. Yes. I think they. Yeah, oh, certainly. They yes. peaked and then they went off into. La La Land of, of just what the fuck are they doing? Well, no, me and Nick already talked about this the other night because um, Nick would argue, whereas many people would say that Resident Evil 4 was a real turning point and it was a fantastic game, Nick would argue... Uh, Shit. I- it, it, it's a good game. 
It's a fucking poor Resident Evil game. In what way? Doesn't have zombies. Doesn't have zombies. It's not scary. It's not the entire. It's 3D. It's not. It's not. It's not how the original Resident Evils were. By 3D, you mean third person? Yeah, yeah. With pre-rendered backdrop backdrops. Code Veronica was 3D, but it's still the classic sort of Resident Evil setting. But and it had gone crazy. Who the fuck was that weird guy with the jacket? Oh, the vendor. The vendor. Who the fuck was that? What are you buying? <laughs> Where's he come from? Who is he? What's what he doing saying? there? What the fuck is he doing there? I remember going through like a castle and there's these weird cultists. Who the fuck were they? Who the fuck were they? Mm. Exactly. In in the original two games, I mean, to be honest, I, I hated the third one. It, it just... It's just... They go cr- too crazy with it. The original game, it's a virus outbreak in a mansion, you know, where they're doing some fucking hazy shit and, you know, you're, you're dropped in the middle of it because you're just some cop, you know? In the second one, you're back in this city where you've obviously not contained it. Shit's happening, you've got to deal with it. And then in the third one, it's like... It's going global. The fourth one, it's completely changed. I mean, there's such a a, a gap between Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 4. I mean, you had, like, Code Veronica, you had... the fucking remade the first one. There's so many pointless little spin-off games that you just don't know what's going on. My mate, uh, my mate John, he uh, he's obsessed with Resident Evil, like obsessed, and he he has written a uh, Resident Evil timeline, and he's he's been working on it for like ten years, and it's the last time I saw it, it's like a book, like a book that thick of just text, and it does his head in, does his head in how many times they they get the t- the timeline wrong, the dates wrong, and these are the people making the games. And they're still doing it. They're still cranking them out. They're still... What an odd thing to be obsessed with. No, you know what? I do agree. I, I disagree. Uh, but that can be anything. That no, could be I, anything. I, I see yeah. an he, he just loves. He just loves Resident Evil. Um, now... No, I mean, like, to devote so much time to something that... Chronicling something that isn't really even a good story. Well, the word... The, right. I, I, I'm pretty sure I know why he, does it. he did it. Because... When we when we were like when we were when did Resident Evil One come out? It must have been like ninety six. So we must have been like fifteen, sixteen, around that kind of age. No, younger. Definitely. Probably younger. Yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't even be something we could go and rent out of a shop because it was like I'm sure it was like eighteen certificated, and we we play this as kids, and it's it's similar to like it was similar to. Um, Final Fantasy, where you experience emotions you wouldn't necessarily attribute to a game. So, like, obviously in Final Fantasy VII, loss, you feel you felt gutted when Eris died. In in Resident Evil, the first one, you were fucking scared. There's parts where you were genuinely shocked and kind of like, fucking hell, scared. And you, I'd never, ever attributed that to a game. Is that also to do with age, in that you'd never played a game like yeah, that before? never. Because the sequels that are coming along... Uh, you can play Resident Evil 1 now and not be scared. Yeah, totally. And not find it scary. But someone who's your, your, who was your age now playing Res 6, which I think is garbage, but that kid, that's their first Resident Evil. Yeah. They they'll could be, be so completely scared shits. Yeah. Scared shitless over that one game. And it'll affect them in everywhere that Resident Evil did with, with yeah. those. 
There's only ever been one game I've been scared of, and that was Silent Hill. I thought I was. I didn't <laughs> like Silent Hill. I, I liked Silent Hill more than I liked Resident Evil. It, see, I, I completely the agree. one mechanic in Silent Hill that's the scariest thing ever is a staircase that leads down. Because you don't want to go down it. There was the hospital thing. I remember being at your house when you was playing it, and it got to this point where he's in a hospital and staircase going down. Like, well, I'm not going down there. Off. What did Played you like else. about it? See, I wish I'd, I'd played it when I was a bit older because I was. We were fully expecting Resident Evil, but like off the chain Resident Evil, like crazy skinned babies walking around with meat cleavers, and it wasn't. It was a very atmospheric kind of weird game, and I reckon if I played it now, I'd really like it. See, there's that, no comfort zone in it. No, you're right. You're right. There's no that, like safe sort of rooms or anything. There's no home under the room. stairs with a typewriter with nice pleasant music where you can have a minute yeah. to gather your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's no allies or anything, was there? There's no, there were about four or five people you'd come across, and everyone in it was fucked up. Yeah, they, were they all seemed to be on your side, but you'd never knew. Yeah, you don't even know if you're on your own side. No, it's it, just yeah, you don't know what's happening. It was very good. It was very good. The scariest thing about it for me was the fact that you are in this village or town, whatever the definition of it is, and. You know, you can't see more than five feet in front of you. It's just this very thick mist, and then your little radio starts picking up static, and you're thinking, something is near, and you don't know where it's attacking you from. And, you know, that atmosphere alone was very scary. But I remember being a child, and uh, and watching my dad playing games like uh, like the first Resident Evil, because for anyone who doesn't know me who's listening to this, I am a few years younger than, than my colleagues here. Uh, but I remember watching my dad playing Resident Evil, and that's uh, the very first scene in that involving a zombie, where you you go through this dining room and uh, mm. you come across a zombie biting the head off some of some corpse. I remember finding that terrifying, and I remember my dad playing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume it was Diablo 2, and uh, the cut scene at the beginning just began with these corpses dangling from a hangman's noose and again I just remember thinking oh I don't like this I don't want to you know, uh, it's, uh, you know when done well you know when you're a young age when you're an impressionable age any game like that should have that psychological effect on you I don't remember my dad even playing that game but I remember that cut scene and we're talking like 20 years in the future yeah the least scary thing of the original original Resident Evil the cheesy 80s action film intro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the cinematic bits. Yeah, we saw Chris. <laughs> Chris Redfield. Barry Burton. Jill Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that's a good little thing I like in the first Dead Rising game, because um, Jill... There's some cut scene in Resident Evil where Jill, you know, nearly gets attacked or whatever. One of the characters says, hey, you nearly became a Jill sandwich. And there's a shop in Dead Rising called Jill's Sandwiches. And that, that's just a nice touch. That's good. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. What would you say then is the worst? Would you say Fable 3 is the worst sequel? Uh, only because of the journey I have been on with the Fable games. I mean, Fable 2, I was invested. You know, I bonded with my dog in that game. But simply because of the emotional journey I went on through it as a trilogy, as a series, it was a massive anticlimax. Uh, for every reason, in that it had a bad storyline. Uh, bad locations, poor atmosphere, and a terrible baddie. And, and things that were meant to twist and surprise you were convoluted. They didn't aid the story, they just exacerbated it. And uh, it didn't work. Exacerbated. <laughs> Did I pronounce that it's right? It's a bit cucumbersome, the pronunciation. 
Exacerbated. Exacerbated. Fine to, you know, it, was, uh, it didn't do what it should have done. There's this one scene where you flee the Bowerstone Industrial on this ship, and you're being pursued by the King's men, and you're shot down by cannon fire, and you wash up on this island. And this is told in a cutscene, and there is no atmosphere whatsoever. It wasn't scary, it wasn't moving in any way, you, there was never a sense of peril. And when you washed up on this island, you didn't care, because you weren't scared, you weren't moved. You were like, okay, let's find out what else is happening. What's next? Yeah. And that's poor, that's poor writing. Well, and, that's you... a, and that's a shame, as a, as a Fable fan. Yeah. Let, let, let's make it clear, I liked Fable 3. I completed it, I, I worked through every nook and cranny to get every secret, every achievement that I possibly could. Atmospherically, some of the uh, areas in it were very beautiful, um, but it just didn't deliver. It had a lot to live up to after Fable 2, and it couldn't deliver. Phil, do you think your worst sequel ever is? Um, so I think there's, there's definitely a distinction. Like you said, Dan, because obviously you must have enjoyed some of it because you would have, wouldn't have played it. Absolutely. So I think there is definitely a distinction between something that is so mind-bogglingly shit... And then something that you, you per, it's so personal to you that you hated. Like, I'm sure... I was going to say it when you were talking about that football game. Um, it wasn't a sequel, but I remember during France 98, they released a football game called uh, Three Lions. Oh, God. Oh, my awful. God, that was dreadful. The dreadful. Sh- the shooting mechanism. Yeah, oh, my God. It was, God. like, constantly taking a penalty. Yeah, it was. it was. Oh, my God, that was so and that was just an awful game, but we'll move on to just god awful games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Later. Yeah, my my two picks are god awful anyway. So, <laughs> but what what would you say? Your I could, as I said the other day, you're I, can only, hate <laughs> I can only really think of one that's not going to be brought up by anyone else, and that's Mario Brothers Two on the NES. <laughs> and it was I always abso- liked it. I hated it. I've n- I, I wanted to like it because I loved the first thing because I played it all the time, all the time. Um, Mario Brothers 2 comes out, it's like, oh, okay, oh, you can pick a character now, brilliant, they've got different abilities. The fuck's with this world? Why am I picking turnips up and throwing them at things? Uh, you know, right. Why do I have to go through the doors into the dark world to pick up a big turnip and then go back through the door <laughs> and it makes it into coins? I was it's uh, like, so terrible was the premise of the, that entire game. It's like it never happened. The, every other Mario game since bears more resemblance to one than true. to two. It's like the forgotten sequel that never happened. I'd actually... Um when you said Mario Brothers 2, I was trying to think, which one's Mario Brothers 2? And then you mentioned the turnip picking, because, uh, yes. I... It's like Mario went Polish or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sauce, Mario. <laughs> um, I did actually enjoy it, like Stu, I enjoyed it. Uh, I played it on Super Mario All-Stars, that was my first taste of it. And it was different enough. I, I think it looked so fresh at the were... time. So I didn't, have it, I didn't have my first interaction with it as a new game. It no, was new to me. It was, but I think I was playing. A, I'd never played Super Mario Bros. Three before that either. Oh, super! I remember this is an awesome uh, Mario Bros. Three awesome sequel, and I remember being in Canada at my aunt and uncle's house, um, and they had Mario Bros. Three on the NES. Um, way before it came out in the UK, and especially it might have even been like six months or something. 
But I remember playing it all the time when I was there, and then came back to the UK. It's like, oh, I really want that game. Can I go get it? It's not out. No, it's not going to be out in six months when you're that young, like six or seven, I think I was. That's it's like an eternity. Yeah. What were you going to say, Dan? Sorry. Uh, was I saying? Anything? I didn't matter. Did uh, I, was, I, I, I basically said I agree with Stu. I actually liked Super Mario Brothers. Too. See, uh, but but I completely also agree with Phil that. Uh, the original mechanic was obviously the best thing and that's why they've gone back to that. I, I must be one of the few people in the world who cannot stand Mario. At all? In any At all. So, Get uh, <laughs> There was never any thrill as a child going to a mate's was house there? and, and uh, playing co Sonic fan? Yeah, fucking hell, I love Sonic. Wait, wait now this surprises me because uh, you strike me as the type of person who... Uh, Eight is kid debating coming, Mario versus Sonic. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> yeah. you strike me as the type of person who uh, would have enjoyed Mario as a child and would have enjoyed playing it cooperatively and playing as Luigi because you're, you're a Luigi what? person what, what does that mean? I'm a Luigi look, the thing is right you, is your brother younger or older than you? younger right maybe, I don't know maybe not as a younger sibling although then again you have your older sister as a younger sibling no I have a younger sister oh you're the oldest yeah Okay, scrap <laughs> that okay. I, I do suffer from younger siblings ba- basically in my house Dan what I wanted happened Right. If that, I wanted the TV changed, my brother was watching something, the TV would get changed. Well, you, see, the you know a friend's like... character, but you don't know the background, and then you find out about the background and it explains so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a younger sibling, and therefore I have always sympathised with Luigi. Um, you know, and th- that was a thrill of playing Mario games as a child when you played it cooperatively <laughs> with, with a friend. It was I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's how you could read into Mario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sibling, that... <laughs> sibling sort of nature. Uh, Luigi was taller; he could jump farther. I don't. Uh, people might dispute that, but I, I believe he could jump higher than Mario. He was just, <laughs> you know, and he had a better mustache. There, I said it. Right. I. I never had a Nintendo. I oh, I didn't. I, I didn't have a NES. I did. My uh, my only Nintendo gaming ever came from going to a mate's house and playing yeah. it. Or then I eventually got a Game Boy. Uh, yeah. Oh, I had. I, see, that was sorry. I lied. The one Mario I I sort of enjoyed was Mario on the the Game Boy, and that is because there was such a low variety of games you could enjoy on the Game Boy. Think about it. There was the games I really liked on my Game Boy were Tetris, and that's because everyone got Tetris. You know, as you know, Which I'm gonna music choice. There was three tracks. Ah, the original, the original tracks. I have to step in there. I've never seen the appeal of Tetris. Well, you know, it's fair enough. So, Tetris, Zelda, and even then, I think Zelda's so fucking overrated because it was, I, d- I, didn't, I didn't enjoy Zelda. It was just, the music was awesome in Zelda for the, for the time. And then there's a few of a, there's a few of a games on, on the Game Boy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, sort yourself out, man. Yeah, sort it, man. Um, what was it? Yeah, so I, I never had a Nintendo, and even even though my mate Dave did, you play Mario, and it's just like you jump, and yeah, it does require some level of skill to be good at it. But then then you go over and you play. I play <laughs> enjoyed your sound effect, by the way. <laughs> um, you, you go. I go and play my mate's uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Two specifically, Sonic Two. Thinking about it, it was was such an awesome sequel for me. I I loved that game so much that I was like pestering my mum for years, give me a Mega Drive just so I could have Sonic Two, because it had Tails and it had the fucking awesome 
3D bonus stage where you could run up and run mm. upside down and everything it looked amazing at the time and you could fucking go through levels so quick and it was just so fast paced and then you'd have Mario just sort of do, 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 do. yeah it was just yeah. slow and it was just it was just seemed so bare and it was just dull I thought it was, I thought the boss fights were dull the, it, it was just Nah, it, it's never done it for me, Mario, ever. I'm glad Phil did the theme tune there, because this talk of Mario has actually put it in my head. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you actually did it there, because I'm, I'm not clearly I'm not alone. Uh, I No, I understand your logic. Uh, I understand, yeah, there's a... Uh, it's like me, it's like me just never having got into... You know, I didn't give Final Fantasy VII a chance, and therefore every Final Fantasy has passed me by, you know? Just... Where's, where's Juga, anyway? Uh... Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, um... At work, um, Martin Smith, who's a friend of all of ours, he uh, he used to complain to me about sort of franchises and you know how how people are obsessed with franchises. Yeah, he'd love fucking Mario, and I'd say Mario is the biggest, most money spinning sequel knockoff bullshit game franchises of all time. I can't think of anything that's bigger than than Mario. Can, can anyone else really? No. Not really. It would be Mario, and then actually probably Sonic. Um, no, because Sonic Sonic went has gone yeah, away. Sonic's been gone for a long time. No, Sonic's still got, no. into the Nintendo world. No, yeah. so, no, Sonic is still going. He's still churning out games. They just happen to be rather poor and. The, no, there's, there's, I'd say there'd be about thirty more Sonic. Uh, more Mario games than they are Sonic games. Mm-hmm. Oh, Miles, so, more. No, certainly, but as you far, got as Mario, as, you got all that. No, no, certainly. Sonic 4 on the Xbox. Mario Kart. Got right, certainly, but as far as franchises go, there's probably more Sonic games than there are, you know, well, many, I can't think of any, you know, <laughs> but the point, the point is Sonic is up there as far as big franchises go. No, not anymore, it's dead. Yeah. But it's not, it's still going. Call of Duty is a franchise. That's massive. Right, yes. Pretty much the biggest yes, selling game every year. Uh, well, yes, but on, on we, terms st- of we still the... live in a world though, where there's more uh, Sonic games than Call of Duty games. Yeah, that's true. If you go way back. Yeah, but, but yeah, that is true though. though. Right, oh, I forgot, Stuart. Yes, gaming only started ten years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you getting that from? Well, you're, you're, you're basically saying... But it's a dead franchise. Well, it's not. That's like still, saying... No, they released, it's one of the biggest industries They released the a Sonic game recently. They still... Ma- they they but churn like out, Olympic ones. They, they, churn no, out, no. they churn out a Sonic game every year. Every not year. Not every year they do. Yes, they do. No, they don't. There's the uh, you know Sonic what? one. If Sonic I could, 4 on the Xbox Live Marketplace, which is utter drops. If I could get a decent internet connection in this dungeon, I would prove to you how many Sonic games there have been in the last couple of years. There have been a few. And not just Sonic versus Mario at the Olympics. Anyway, Stuart. <laughs> what is your most hated of sequels? I don't think there's been that many. I either don't play them, or they're not that bad. They can be disappointing. That's about three ending. Being case in point. That was probably the, the biggest Wait, no. for me. And that even made even more so, because the first four-fifths... Of the game are really good, and it's so it just suckers you in for like a, a crap sequel is bad enough, but a bad ending to the last of the sequels is the worst thing because it's it doesn't even allow you to be put out your misery beforehand. Mm, I... You see, I didn't like anything about Mass Effect 3, I thought it was really I'd good. I've done it all before, there was no 
not one bit of urgency. The world's ending. Agreed. Everywhere. Oh, yes. Um, Agreed. My, my daughter's gone missing. Can you find her? She's over there. Thanks. Right. <laughs> see that re- you can see a reaper outside. Is anyone asked? No, we're going nightclub tonight. You're coming. Yeah. Does not is there only me who can see the immediate danger to you, what's happening? You can go you can go into the hospital on Earth where there is five hundred foot fucking spider robot monsters walking about destroying shit and does, is anyone moving about quick? Is there any sense of urgency? No. The hospital no. The hospital. Everything, yeah, everything happens on oh, your sorry. time. Yeah, it is so yeah. But that, that's the case in all Bioware games. Well, uh, that, was, that was the first Bioware trilogy. Well, I think it might have even been the first Bioware game I played. Mass Effect. This actually brings me back to Fable 3. Uh, one of the things they really screwed up and got wrong with it. Okay, In the first two Fable games, you could make people follow you. In the first game, you could get a couple of people to follow you. In Fable 2, you could get as many as ten people following you, for whatever reason that you might desire. Fable 3, you have to hold people's hands. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they're the same gender as you, you have to hold people's hands. And therefore, you can only hold one person's hand at a time. And let's say you have to go on an escort mission where a trader has got lost. You know, you hold said trader's hand and drag them across this landscape. And then bandits jump out of the trees and attack you. And you let go of... Uh, and you scourge your guests so you immediately... But you, you let go of your escort so that you can kill said bandits so that they won't attack this innocent trader but they leave the trader alone the trader just stands there spouting as usual have you tried the pies in Bowerstone that's it's it's not good it's not good you know it's uh, I think that would be why does really a grown man have to have his hand held why indeed that, he's why obviously indeed. got some form of mental it's, issue it makes it sound uh, like such a childish if his child. friend's being attacked by bandits who leapt from trees and he's starting talking about pies <laughs> he obviously does need someone to hold his hand to take him where he's going see Speaking, you know, Mass Effect 3 and you, you sort of saying that. I'd say Mass Effect 2 is one of my most hated sequels. Ma- no. Mass yeah, Effect it is, it is one of my most hated sequels. <laughs> no, you're wrong, Nick. <laughs> you're, wrong, you're wrong about your personal preference there, Nick. Mass Effect 2 is the Dirty Dozen in space. So? It's really good. Yeah, but it doesn't do it very well. No, I disagree. I, I, well, I disagree. I you think disagree. I, yeah. Explain your reasoning. For it was a lot better than 3. Yeah, but Mass Effect 1 was a lot better than Mass Effect 2. Mass, Mass Effect 1, you are... It, it, it's a role-play game with some action in it that has some squad-based tactics. That it, and at points it gets quite fucking hard. There was times when I died in that game where you you have to use you know tactics and you have to use everyone's abilities pretty well. You, you, there's no way you could really stack three... of There's different classes in it. So you have your soldier, your sniper, your sort of shotgun assault guy. Then you have your engineer. Then you have like your psionic mage character. There's no way you could all you could have three mages and succeed. You'd have to have one or a mix of the others because everyone's abilities complement each other so well. If you did not have someone's ability, there'd be something somewhere that would fuck you up and you'd lose. You'd lose. Um, Mass Effect Two, you could fucking do it with your eyes shut. Same in Mass Effect Three, you could fucking just go. Forward, forward, and just chew, and everything would be dead. It's Mass Effect Two is such a poor game, game, inverted commas, that you know it, they've taken the Gears of War sort of trope of cover and then shooting that it, it, it was completely erroneous. 
There was no point having cover. There was no point doing anything. You could you could fucking run through it with a sniper rifle. You could run through it with a shotgun. It didn't matter what your people did. It didn't matter if they died. You could do it all on your own. So it was it was weak. The first one, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it loads of times. You, you're basically just a guy who is drafted into the service of like of like this alien council. And the humans at this point, they're not even the, the, the primary race. They're not the, the cool... They're not like the badasses. In the second one, they are. In the second one, humans run everything. So it, it's kind of a cool... It, it was a very unique environment, a very unique experience. Uh, there's a... There's a choice in that game where you have to decide who dies, and one of them will die. You cannot get around it. There is no such point in, in Mass Effect 2 where that, that cannot be circumvented. You can lose everyone in Mass Effect 2 if you're stupid, or you can save everyone if you have any modicum of logical thought. And <laughs> you can explore. It's like Star Trek. You can go to the moon. You can look at Earth. You can do... There's just Mass Effect 1 was... After the initial... Two hours of boredom. It is a fantastic game with fantastic characters, with fantastic relationship. There's elements of Mass Effect Two that are really good, but there's lots. But again, the pacing was totally wrong. The pacing was so wrong. In Mass Effect One, there's a definitive bad guy that you're chasing the entire fucking game. In the second one, you don't know who you're chasing. There's no, there's no, there's no. You're meant to assemble this badass group of soldiers. Go through this relay and and tackle this this unknown enemy. You can spend a hundred hours just wandering about the galaxy, going to the fucking space nightclub, just dancing with like five other fucking people before you have to go and do this thing. In in Mass Effect One, you feel like shit. I better get better get a move on because Siren's going to be doing whatever the fuck he's doing. Mass Effect Two, there was no such urgency, especially in Mass Effect Three. Was Mass exactly Effect Three, the same. there's no urgency. Exactly, there's no urgency. There was no. I agree in that. But that's because it wants it to be open world and it doesn't... It'd have to be extremely linear. If you think about how the game, what's happening in the storyline, it should be a, a very, very linear game to make yeah. sense. There should be no sandbox elements of it. Well, I, I, I You can have sandboxing moments, but it should also have a lot of assumed knowledge. Yeah. Because you've just played with one character... Two other games, so call it sixty hours of gameplay. But and you can still go to the same planets you've been to before. And here's the right up on this planet. I'll go over here, have a look at this planet. All oh, the Reapers are coming. Your best scarper. At least it didn't have the mining of element, uh, elements in it. Um, it kind but of it kind of did because it, they replaced it with saving people. Yeah, but Th- there are things on Mass Effect Two, Mass Effect Three did right. Like the story, Mass Effect Two. It's making not, it's very weak. I thought Mass Effect Two story was miles weaker than the first one. I thought it was good, and I didn't see it necessarily coming. Like the the idea that you have to join the um, a terrorist organization, but it's not clear cut at that point, at least whether they are a terrorist organization. They but are. nonetheless, they are. <laughs> everyone treats you. Well, I don't quite. So in the know. first game, no, no one likes you because you're, you're human, and then in the second one, everybody hates you because you're a human terrorist, and even the humans don't like you. Uh, again, 
There, there are elements of Mass Effect 2 that were, and Mass Effect 3 that were good. Elusive Man was ace in the second one as well. Yeah, but again, something that was completely wasted in the third. Mm-hmm. You know? But all, all this all this progress they make and then they just shit it out. Because the th- the, I, I was enjoying the game in the third one. I enjoyed a lot of the interactions. Some of it felt like the end of times. Like the garrison and thingy chilling in the Citadel on top. Just before everything's going down, yeah. probably never going to meet each other again because everyone's going to die. Awesome bits. Yeah, I agree. But like you say, I, I agree. There's bits. You have that moment, and then there's people arguing about petty shit in yeah. the Presidium, and the world's, the galaxy, the universe is going to end. Yeah, and no one's running about panicking. I've just remembered one of my favourite <laughs> ever sequels. <laughs> really, Stuart? Tell us what it is. That would be Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which is the best Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> in- incorrect. Yeah, uh, no. I was actually going to say earlier, but it got, we got uh, we moved it on. Uh, uh, GTA I, 3. It, no, an co- immense sequel. GTA 3 is by far the best Grand Theft Auto. No, it isn't. It is. It isn't. On every level. Tell me why. Uh, number one, Claude is a better protagonist. Uh, number two, Vi- uh, Liberty City is better than Vice City as an environment. Number three, it's darker, it's grittier. Number four, it's funnier. Number five, it's got a better plot. Number six, it's not a parody slash rip-off of an already existing film. Uh, is it, it is, it's just better. Why is the storyline of three? <laughs> storyline of three is you play uh, you know, a thug called Claude. Uh, you are betrayed... Uh, by your girlfriend Catalina at the beginning of the story in a robbery gone wrong and it is you uh, it becomes your mission to enact revenge you are freed by accident from a prison envoy going across a bridge because uh, these uh, these people from the Colombian cartel come along to rescue some of their former cronies and you manage to escape in the process you uh, by this point you've made contacts in prison and you uh, you hook up with the mafia you uh, the mafia Again, go on to betray you, and you must flee onto the second island where you, you know, you hit things up with the yakuza. And uh, I don't buy that there's a Colombian drug cartel uh, presence in New York. It's not New York; it's Liberty City. It's New York. It's Liberty City. All right, where is Liberty City? It seems to display all the hallmarks of New York to me. But it's not New York. Although we should treat it like it is. Though it isn't. Right, it's, well, it's, you know, it makes no difference. That's like saying in Vice City, uh, all the different gangs in Vice City. That's like saying, you know, like. Uh, like. No, why Vice City is uh, awesome? No, but, 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 it's got but, fucking Danny Dyer in First of all. It's his finest ever performance. First of all, that's a terrible. That, first of all, that's a terrible reason to like anything. Yes. If, if Danny Dyer is in If anything, it's a reason to hate it. No. Secondly. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, uh, Vice City, one of the gangs, and they are labelled in the game as a gang, so when you check your stats and it says who you've killed, uh, which gangs you've killed, one of the gangs is golfers. Now, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, that does not constitute as a gang. It's a cult of anything. Can I say what's better than both of those games? Don't say GTA 4. Don't say no. San Andreas. No. Fuck. Yeah, you might. Don't say number two. No, I'm not going to say. Don't say London. I'm going to say Saints Row 2. Saints Row no, it's better than all them games. Saints Row no, 2 is better. Saints Row 2 is better. Yeah, it is. It is. In no very... other game can you become a Japanese man wearing a ninja suit with a London accent driving a helicopter <laughs> with a fucking samurai sword. 
Can you do that in Grand Theft Auto? Especially when you started the game as an African American woman. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) With a weight problem as well. I enjoyed Central. Central 2 was amazing. Some of the best co op moments on Xbox Live. Yes. uh, Central 2 is really on that. Yes. Insurance fraud would stand at this bridge and you'd wander off, get hit by a buzz, and I'd just stand there and say, Flying past. It was brilliant. Like a spec. What's that spec? Oh, it's Stu. Saints Row 2 is one of the best co op experiences I've ever had. Saints Row 3 dropped the ball quite substantially. Uh, it was too long, there was too much time between Saints Row 2 and. Can I, uh, can I challenge Stu on Grand Theft Auto Vice City? Yeah, please do. You said it was weird that I could remember the protagonist of uh, Dead Rising called Frank West. What's the protagonist of, what's the protagonist of Vice City called? I can't just remember. I don't, I'm not very good with characters. Surely, does no one else remember? I'm, no. Tommy Vassetti. Oh, no. It was but, thingy. The voice acting in Vice City is amazing. Uh, Put the best out of all of them. Again, disagree. What was wrong with uh, Joe Pantaleano in GTA 3? What was wrong thingy. with... Go on. Thingy. Don't die. Don't die. <laughs> it's not a good yeah, fucking... It's good enough. It's not, it's not in the pro... It's not in the pro. Danny Dyer. It's a con. Danny Dyer. If Danny Dyer is in something, you instantly think, hmm, this is going to be a bit shit. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They didn't have much money to spend. Do you mean Ray Liotta? Yeah. Liotta. Liotta. It's the big red Liotta. What's wrong with pronouncing it Liotta? Point is, it's it's not his wrong name. (laughs) He's amazing in that. Uh, He is the best voice actor. Um, and best actor to be in any of them. No, he's not. He is. You, th- you think, as an actual actor, he's the yes. best actor to grace a Grand Theft Auto game? Yeah. So you take away Samuel L. Jackson from San Andreas. Yeah, yeah. Really, that was a better actor Definitely. than Samuel L. You take away Joe Pantaleano from... Definitely, uh, yes. Joe Pantaleano's a wicked actor. I, 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 I reckon really is grade A actor. Yeah. I'm, I'm really Otter, sure. if I remember correctly, did Vice City, in his own words, for the money. So, what was his motivation? Yeah. So? What was his motivation? <laughs> uh, the money. What's his motivation for acting in films? He doesn't do it after the, through the canvas of his heart, does he? It's a I job. <laughs> I've watched a bio on Really Otter. Um, either he married, or he saw for a very long time a disabled woman. Right, let me... Which I thought was very strange. Right, let me see if I can get any internet connection. I'm Why? Going to, I'm going to... It's not, it's not common. Especially someone who's an actor in Hollywood. What what yeah. kind of disability are we talking? A pretty a major one. I what, can't remember which What, one. no legs? Yes. No arms? Uh, I don't know. She's, she's like the fucking guy in Metallica's one. She's no. Nothing. A fucking body. With a she's not a potato. Can't get an internet connection. I want to refresh my memory and try and remember any other voice actors from the GTA games, but never mind. So, what you were making an argument based on nothing? I, then? I no, I do think that it's a bold <laughs> statement. The best argument. Have you seen really out in films? Goodfellas. Right. Uh, this is one of Han- the finest films. Hannibal. I've seen them in a few films. A B movie, which is a terrible film. It's not terrible actually. It's not great. Uh, the point is, uh, yes, I have. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Good- any of the films. We are. We are, uh, but we're not talking films, Stu, We're talking games. And uh, but but you took me up on the point. 
The point I'm making is it's a bold statement to just claim outright that uh, Ray Liotta is the best actor, actor, to grace a Grand Theft Auto game. Well, it's a bold statement, but one that I've backed up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah. you... The, the onus is on you, Dan, to prove him wrong. Because Samuel L. Jackson is not on the same level as... In terms of Hollywood cred, I'd say, yeah, he's probably bigger than Ray Liotta, but in terms of... Ability. Ability and the films Crap. that he's made... You, you don't see Ray Liotta making fucking snakes on a plane. That's true. I've seen their kind of can adverts, though, with the scariest yeah. face ever. Well, hang about, uh, thingy. Don't fail in the X Men power. Um, Come on, Dangus Clue. It's radio. Uh, the bad guy in speed. Oh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper, thank you. Dennis Hopper is in, Vi- is in Vice City. Good actor, you think? I'd say he's more legendary than any than. Um, he's more legendary. I still say real out as a better actor. But if you're saying he's in Vice City, then that's just boosted my. I just think I just think Grand Theft Auto. I, I Thanks for my, making a point for me. <laughs> I stand by my reasons. Grand Theft Auto, the better city, the better atmosphere. It was darker. It was grittier. It had better characters, a better plot, better baddies. It wasn't a rip off of a, an already existing. Oh, it was darker and grittier, but uh, Vice City wasn't about that. Vice it was neon and I, suits and I like and I like things dark and gritty. So did you prefer? <laughs> <laughs> did you prefer four to three then? Because four was darker, grittier, and you like it dark that, and right. gritty. You know, you know why four? You know what? I didn't get off the first island in Grand Theft Auto Four, and I can tell you why. The Grand Theft Auto Four is one of those games where. Well, maybe controversially to some people, it would probably rate as one of the poorest sequels I've ever played. That is absolute trash. And we've done on this. And we've done. Yeah, but you're a controversial type. Um, what? My, what? You think my opinion is trash, or you think the game is trash? No, I think your viewpoint. Okay. Well, hear me trash. out. Hear me out. Uh, I do a mission, and then Michelle is nagging me to go on a date. That is annoying. Right. Yeah. Well, hear me out. That whole element. Is hear me annoying. out. Okay, so I take Michelle on a date. Okay, and I go back to my apartment to save my game, and then I'll crack on the next mission. But no, Roman wants to go to a titty bar. So, <laughs> so we go to a titty bar, and we see the titties, and uh, and then finally I get to do a mission, and I fuck up the mission, and I have to start again. But now Michelle wants to go on another date. We go bowling. She wins. I hit her with a baseball bat. <laughs> it was just... You know, that wasn't my idea of a pleasant game against Williams. That was... Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to leave you on that note, and I shall return. Right, I'll tell you why I don't like Let's just kill it. The person I was arguing with just left. <laughs> okay, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Uh, please, continue. And then I'm going... Shall I come back up, then? It's fine. I think that was <laughs> the one negative thing about the game, which was very annoying. I've Almost. Got, I've got it's not game breaking, but it's really, really infuriating. But I think nearly everything else in it was um, largely spot on. Do you know what you could do as well? Except when your cousin rang you up saying he wants to go and stir at tips. I know, I could. Press uh, the B button and ignore it. I know. Much like real life. Yes, but the thing, that's the problem, okay? Uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 was fun, it was ludicrous. G- this- Vice City was still fun and ludicrous, admittedly, but GTA 4 suddenly became Grand Theft Normal Boring Life. This is why I did not like Grand Theft Auto 4. In Grand Theft Auto, I, I can't remember any of the stories, any of the characters, because 9 out of 10 times I would just go on it. Blowing stuff up. To blow the fuck out of shit. To drive around, kill people, and. Get 5 star rating. Get 5 star rating, see how long I could live, how many cops I could kill. Uh, I'll just do stupid stuff like picking up hookers, you know, all the stuff that Saints Row 2 
just realised, hang about, this is the best part of Grand Theft Auto, let's add more of it. And Grand Theft Auto 4 went, no, we're going to be a serious fucking game here, we're not going to have any of that shit anymore, it's going to be boring, you're not going to be able to be a fat black guy who can lose weight by running, you can't get loads of tattoos and shit like you can anymore, we're going to take out all the fun elements and we're just going to make it a, a boring kind of generic story that, in terms of like film and literature, pretty fucking dull, but in terms of game, you know, it's, it's a bit edgy. And that's what I didn't like about it. It just and, wasn't fun. And don't get me started on the braking and the cars as well. That was awful. Brake! Brake! <laughs> <laughs> also, um, you know, let's not forget, Grand Theft Auto 4 came out at the same time, near about, maybe separated by a couple of months. Grand Theft Auto 4 came out at the same time as Saints Row 2. And Saints Row 2 blew the water out of it. No, that's not the correct phrase. Blew it out of the water. <laughs> blew the water out of it. <laughs> blew the water out of it. Handily, we're, we're collecting because it would be waterlogged and therefore unplayable. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we're collecting a lot of cock ups with sayings recently. Mm. I'm going to make a dictionary of fuck ups. <laughs> and now I'm going to do what I was going to do earlier. Actually, Which is what? Urinate. Okay. Thanks for asking that. You can urinate in our toilet. Can I urinate in the toilet? you may. By all no. means. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, be let this out. No, but it is the intro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to urinate. Well, we've had a lot of fun here today. I know you have, and I have too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's time, it's time to wrap up now, so thank you for listening. Uh, I've been Dan. Phil. Nick. And our silent compadre, who <laughs> refused to give his name, Stu, like the dish, sometimes served with dumplings.